Welcome to Season 5, Episode 6 of 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast. This week, we are talking to Mr. Nam Den of Afroviet TV, a very popular YouTube channel. Mr. Nam Den is originally from Nigeria and he's lived in Vietnam for over 10 years and speaks fluent Vietnamese, which is incredible. He's a trained actor, which you can see in his videos, which are all in Vietnamese, but with English subtitles, and they're all absolutely hilarious. So make sure you check him out on there after this episode. We talk about his upbringing in Nigeria, having seven brothers, being the the second youngest of those seven brothers, so um, having a fight with his own family just to eat. Um, Being a black man in Vietnam, encountering racism, perceived or otherwise, and how he ended up getting into his YouTube account, and of course, much, much more. If you enjoy 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast, then please make sure you subscribe or follow the podcast from wherever you are listening from right now, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever app that you are using, make sure you follow, subscribe, and turn on the notifications so that you don't miss an episode. Also, make sure to follow us on all the usual social media channels so you can find us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, but not TikTok or Twitter. Never TikTok. I'm way too old for that. And Twitter just, I don't know, seems like way too much effort. But Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, check us out. If you want to get in touch, please do. I love hearing from listeners. It's one of my favorite things. I'll always respond to you. So let me know what you think of the show and where you are listening from. And just a reminder as well, it does take time and money to produce a Vietnam podcast. It will always be available for free wherever you listen. But if you do want to give your support, you can now become a member on Patreon and get some amazing member benefits like free tickets to shows and exclusive member-only content. Or if you want to buy me a coffee or maybe even a beer, you can do that too through coffee.com, which the links are in the show notes below. So make sure that you check them out as well. Your support is honestly massively appreciated. So thank you so much if you can do either of those. I also want to give a shout out to more amazing content producers in Vietnam because there's so many right now doing some unbelievable things. So not only do you have to check out Afroviet TV, which is Mr. Nam Den's channel, also please make sure you look up Koala Land. Koala Land is a dark comedy animation series produced up in Hanoi. It's inspired by Rick and Morty and created by Ayaman Oi from Kyrgyzstan and also Ralph Lawrence from the Philippines. And check out the videos on Facebook. They're awesome. It's about an alien koala who got stuck on earth in an AI controlled dimension. Sounds crazy. I said it's inspired by Rick and, Mor- Rick and Morty so it makes sense, right? Also, make sure you check out Ralph Lawrence's vlog channel which is called Live Awesome as well. So, thank you very much for joining us at 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast and I hope you enjoy this episode. My guest today is a content creator, YouTube and musician who is originally from Africa but has been in Vietnam for over 10 years now and he runs the very popular YouTube channel called Afro Viet TV. My guest today, thank you for joining me, is Mr. Nam Den. <laughs> thank you for having me. Welcome to 7 Million Bikes. Thank you for joining. Thank you. Thank you. So I know that you get asked this probably more than anything and you're probably bored of talking about it but the first thing that you'll see when you watch your youtube channel and please do go look up afro viet tv and watch the videos uh you're fluent in vietnamese (laughs) i try you try (laughs) i try because the common reoccurrence on this podcast is when we interview someone who's an expat i don't think i've interviewed anyone who can speak vietnamese yet oh really yeah, that's that's 
That's new. I think there's a, a lot of foreigners that speak Vietnamese fluently as well. We've talked about it to death on this podcast, so we won't go into details about the difficulties of speaking Vietnamese and why there are so many expats that don't speak Vietnamese. But how did you end up becoming so fluent in it? And the fact that you can do a YouTube channel and you can do comedy in a second language, which is notoriously difficult to learn. <laughs> okay, the thing is, um, I, at first, I never wanted anything to do with Vietnamese language because I got discouraged by a lot of people who were here before me. Like, this is so hard to learn. So don't even think about it. <laughs> but you're still here to this day. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, oh, I was made for challenges. So <laughs> it was um, it was a, a very, very interesting time for me because I got so tired of the hand signs. I got so tired of, you know, having to go into shops that I know what I'm looking for, but I don't know how to explain it. So I was forced like literally forced myself to learn the language so <laughs> so you weren't very good at charades is that what you're saying no really <laughs> i love it when um people do kind of say that like oh you know use your hand movements or whatever but if you play a game of charades with english speakers they don't know like how many times are they like guessing what it, you're trying to do and they don't know so how is someone in another language going to know that these hand signs that you're making mean can i have a bowl please the thing is you have to be very descriptive with your hands you have to you have to know the the the, the measurement of what you're looking for maybe you want to go and get like a soap so you walk into the store and they don't know what you're looking for you have to <laughs> you have to make the hand signs like to show oh I want a bath. I want to have a bath. Something like that. So you so, took all your clothes off and started like oh, no. pretending you were washing yourself down. Is that what you were doing? <laughs> you don't have to go that extreme. <laughs> when you make the hand signs, then you start hearing maybe somebody, maybe the second person, the second girl or the first girl will start discussing. Oh, oh, chaka, you, you, um, you, um, what a, what a, what a, oh, you, you, um, <laughs> so that's how it usually works. And by the time we spend like a few minutes, we figure it out. <laughs> so you came here 10 years ago to 2011. When I say 2011, it doesn't sound that long ago, but when you say 10 years ago, that sounds like a long time. Okay. Actually, the first time I came here was in 2008. Okay. But. I came on a on a on like a vacation with a bunch of my friends, so I really didn't like it at first. So I left, but there was something that I kept. I've been to so many countries. I've traveled a lot. So by the time I was in Vietnam, there was something different. You know, I kind of like found it very interesting because I love the weather for the fact that it's. It's like almost the same with my weather. So it, it, it felt like home. And the second thing was, um, even though I found it very, um, like, very difficult to understand the language, 
it's the same with most of the other countries that I've been to as well. But there are a few people, a few locals who can speak English. So, but the biggest turn off that I got was the first time I was here was um, people were fascinated by my color as a black dude. So I went to some some rural areas that people came out to the streets and like touching my skin and trying to see if this is real or not. Or not. So it was, at first I was very upset about it. I was like, this is racism. But in, on closer, on, on like thinking deeper into it, I found out that they were not abusing me actually. They were just curious to find out Oh, is this color real? How is this guy? Why are you dark? Did you spend so much time in the sun? What is going on with you? And for the fact that I don't understand the language, it pisses me off the more because I couldn't understand what they were saying. But when I read the official expression, I understand that they were not making fun of me. They were just being inquisitive. So I started slowly but steadily to integrate myself into the society and by the time I started picking up the language that was when I came back the second time because after the first time I left then um, uh, a couple of years later I came back so I came back for because a friend of mine said oh you've been to Vietnam right I heard there are so many companies that there are schools or things that you can teach and I said oh my friend was here then, so I came, I spent time with my friend, and then I started teaching English. Then as I started teaching English, I I was not that patient enough because a couple of the students were like really on my nerves every day. So and lucky luckily I started getting a lot of requests from back home for people who want to um have a business connection with Vietnamese because Vietnam is a very big producing country. So they asked me for this, look for this, look for shoes, look for clothing, look for um, wall tiles or floor tiles. That was how I got into business first. So I stopped teaching. I opened a company about 2013. And then um, I started doing, I have a, a small company that I run. Then few years ago exactly in 2018 that was when some of my friends because I was trained as an actor I've been acting all my life I, after school I, I did a lot of movies in Africa so when I came back to Vietnam I couldn't get a job as an actor because of the color because of the language so I got into business first but when I was like financially capable of getting into YouTube my friends advised me to get onto YouTube and yeah, I started thinking about it. I started doing it for fun in 2018, but I, I started making YouTube videos officially in 2019, mid-2019. And I think that most people, oh, you should get into it for fun, right? Like, I think if you get into it for any other reason, it's the wrong reason. You fail completely. You have to have the passion for it to mm. go into it. Well, I've been doing this podcast for nearly two years, started off as a hobby, still a hobby, but I'm starting to try and, you know, professionalize it, make it better. There's now, you can support the podcast through Patreon or through buy me a coffee and trying to, you know, bring it up 
to another level. We're, we're now recording in a, a more professional setting. We were talking before the podcast. I used to record in my front room, and now we are in a, a clothing closet. <laughs> but it's a step up in the right direction. So um, just to go back, when you, you were saying about you were getting these interactions with the locals of touching you and saying things and you couldn't understand them, once you could understand them, what were they saying? Okay, now there are two types of people. There are ones who like, um, oh, wow, we, oh man, I'm, I'm not used to seeing black people. Oh, but I'm seeing black people in flesh. Is this natural? Can I rub this off? Can this color go off? That's innocently curious. And then there are the second people who might have had some negative interaction with some black dudes in the past who don't just like you for being who you are or being from Africa or being black. There are those two. But the latter part of it, the latter group, are not really that much. There are very few of them. But the fun part is the other part that just want to interact with you and understand who you are and what is this how your color is naturally or you slowly got darker. I guess you can understand that point of view because many people in Vietnam and in Asia use whitening cream to get whiter. Mm-hmm. So maybe in their mind they thought that you came from a country where you do the opposite. <laughs> but the truth is um, I a lot of people still get frustrated by it a lot of people still don't agree um, by that to, to I mean to be touched or to be seen or to be you know um, how, do, how do I put it lightly uh, to have this um, stigma when they are walking on the streets, you look at them in a funny way, you laugh at them, or you mock them. A lot of people still find it very upsetting. So, but most of the people now, when I try to explain to them, I just explain the two groups for them. So they understand that most of these people are not mocking you. And so many times, maybe when you walk into a shop, they are waving their hands like this. It's not because you're black or you're white. It's because they actually don't know what to say to you. They don't know what to say. Nobody speaks English there. So the best thing for them to do is to wave you up so you can go away and look for another place to buy. It's a good point. And the, the, the symbol, if you because we're on a podcast you are making, is the shaky jazz hands. Yeah. And I've had that before walking into a shop and they just shake their hands and you're like, so rude, why are they doing this? But then you, over time, as you've lived here long enough, you realize it's just them saying we don't speak English or we've run out of stock or we're closed or something. The funny thing was that if the, the black community are thinking that this is racism, they're doing it because I'm black. Oh, no. Like 80% of my friends are white. So they are like, I get that a lot too. So what's going on? So we are all foreigners in a, in a, in a foreign land. And this is going on irrespective of the fact that you're a white dude or you're a black dude. So you can't call that racism. It's just misunderstanding. 
they just don't know what to say to you. So they just let you go. Please go, go, go. I don't have the strength to speak English. <laughs> no. That's how I say it. And yeah, I would imagine what's the difference in the reaction when you meet people versus living in Saigon or being in Saigon, which is obviously a big cosmopolitan, in quotation marks, city, mm-hmm. versus going out to the countryside. Okay, the the differences I've been to a couple of cities already. Most of the cities I've been to, the responses, the reaction differs. So the 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 response you might get in Kanto is different from the response you get in maybe like Hanoi. I traveled to Mintai. You know, there you have a lot of tribes that have darker skin. Oh my gosh, they saw me like a, a lost brother. <laughs> and coupled with the fact that I speak Vietnamese, oh my gosh, you're welcome. This is your home. This is your place. It made me feel so at home. And then you, you go to some other cities that don't really relate to a lot of black dudes or a lot of foreigners. Let me, let me say a lot of foreigners. So they still see you when you're walking past, they still look at you strangely. And those weird looks are so, so, so like <laughs> awkward sometimes. <laughs> and I guess I don't want to downplay racism or, or make it out like, you know, a white people suffer too, because I know we don't. But as you mentioned, I do. Yeah, I get those strange looks as well. Sometimes you can go, you can go somewhere and you feel like you're being looked at because you're, but it's because you're a foreigner, right? So I guess maybe for a black person who is more definitely used to racism and maybe being looked at that in a negative way, so it's like that maybe is a really feels like a negative emotion. So I probably don't react the same way where I see that and think like oh and have that negative emotion because I've not had that experience in the past. But I do recognize what you're saying and I do still feel like it's not a nice feeling when you go somewhere and someone looks at you funny or they can or they just recognize that you're an outsider. I guess. Yeah, the, the, the thing I've come to realize is that the more you try to think deeper about it, the more upsetting it, 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 it is to you. So what I've, I've come to like understand that people are different. But without downplaying racism, as you said, there are people who are straight to your face very crazy. You look at them, you know, they just don't like you. Not because, not even just because you are a foreigner, they just don't like you. I've gotten a lot of responses where people are telling me on my YouTube channel, get out of our country. We don't love, we don't like black people. Vietnam don't like black people. You get out of our country. And then you see, sometimes I don't even respond to this. The next thing you see a couple of so many Vietnamese responding, shutting that person down immediately. Like, no, you don't speak for us. That's awesome. <laughs> no, we love you. We want you here. We love what you're doing. Please, you are one of us. You're our brother, irrespective of where you come from. That's so beautiful to, to read and to, to see that. If one person hates you, there are 50 or 60 or 100 people who are willing to respond for you. I don't even have to fight the fight by myself. That's what I love about Vietnam. That's really heartwarming. That's really cool, yeah. Because I guess you're always, no matter where you are in the world, you're going to have people who are in the extreme on one end, right? And oh, so sure. It's not really surprising. One of the things that's a common uh, 
thing I hear in Vietnam is uh, racism towards black people when it comes to teaching English. And I've worked for a company called ILA where one of the most proudest things about working for that company was they had no discrimination. So they have teachers from all over the world, all races, creeds, colors, um, sexual persuasions. There's just no discrimination at that company, which I think is amazing. But I know it's something is a problem at other companies. Have you come across that? All right. On that aspect, I think it still exists today. I might not be experiencing much of it because I've not been teaching for a while, but I've, I have so many friends, white, black, that, um, especially the black folks that get experiences like this. So they've um, complained about it. Some have written about it. Some, But the way I say it, the way I say it, it's something that, we need to look into even as a, as a Vietnamese or as a country or as, as a world in general. It's, it, I think, equal opportunity and seeing people for who they are, not because of their color, not because of their nationality, but giving them a fair chance to succeed. Then if they mess it up, you know, I gave this person a chance, but they messed it up. So, first of all, see beyond the color first. If this guy is qualified or if this lady is qualified to teach in this school and they have the certificate to do that, give them a chance. Give them like two months, three months probation. But if they don't perform as you expect them to, then it's fine. Mm -hmm. But don't just, oh, if you're black, don't even apply. Which can happen, right? No, it happens a lot. Yeah, yeah, it happens. Mm -hmm. If you're black, don't apply. You know, that's that's not fair. I've had a friend tell me, um, and it might have been on the podcast, I can't remember now, that they were told, look, we're not racist, but the parents are. That's true. Sometimes it is not really the employers that you have a problem with. Sometimes the, the parents are the ones that dictate the teachers that they want if you get like a black African dude coming to teach and that's cool, they'll be wondering why get us a white foreigner, get us an American, get us an Australian. And never just, Scottish. They never <laughs> <saw> Scottish. <laughs> that's never happened. Not yet. <laughs> but <laughs> Scottish is a different thing in time. A different language. <laughs> um, well, um, but even our first ever job here, uh, which was with ILA, and one of the teachers was American, but Vietnamese American. And so his name on the classroom door was his Vietnamese name, even though he went by Josh. But they put your, they had to put your like kind of legal name on the on the door for whatever reason. Mm. And so again, yeah, parents would complain and, and thankfully again, I worked for a good company. They were like, no, this is our teacher. He works here. He's got the qualifications and, and he's American. And for that, that, and I know that happens to many, many VQs who come here. The parents will see the Vietnamese name and be, I, I don't want this teacher. He's Vietnamese. And it's like he's literally born in America and brought up there. That's my point. Because they see this person. Now, you see, it's not even about being black now. It's about because this person is from our country, how, how can he teach me? We are the same. 
he learns English just this way, just the same way I'm learning. So he's not American. He's not British. So why would you teach me? So by the time they get to find out, why they were able to find out is they give a chance for you to explain. Okay, what if this guy is a Vietnamese and speaks fluent English? What if this guy is not an American, but he's good at his job? Why does it matter that he has to have a foreign name, he has to have a British sounding name and an American name, an English name to get a job there? That's, that's what I'm talking about. When I mean you have to give a fair chance to the individual first, if they don't perform or if they don't um, fulfill their duties, then you know that you've given them a fair chance, but they, they can't perform. Now, let's go back. So you're from uh, a mixed background of Nigeria and yeah. South Africa. Um, tell us more about that. Yeah, um, growing up, I grew up um, all my life in Nigeria, to be honest. So um, growing up, I was um, not privileged to have a lot of things. Oh, I was, in fact, let me rephrase that. I didn't have anything. <laughs> that's quite different, isn't it? That's, that's a whole world of difference. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Not having a lot of things because even rich kids still complain that they don't have a lot of things. I didn't have nothing. Man, I... I hopped on the streets at a very tender age, even while I was in, 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 in primary school. So we were that, we were that rich. <laughs> we were that rich. So making it through school was, uh, it was a miracle. Wow. You know, even to have a normal food to eat was, was a miracle as well. So we, we lost my dad at a very, very tender age. I didn't even know who he was. In fact, as far as I know, I don't. I only saw him in pictures because I I was very little when he died. So I have other brothers. I have, in fact, we were seven, seven old boys, and I was the um, um, second to the last one. So all the brothers, they 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 are like tigers. You can imagine what it is like to live in a house full of boys. Everybody is eating everybody. Like there is no girl to say, "Oh, you guys, stop, stop." No, nothing, there's nothing like that. Man. If you want to kill yourself, go ahead. And so, I mean, I imagine then if you're saying you didn't have much food and you were the second to youngest, you really didn't have much food. Oh no, that's for sure. I didn't have before it gets to me. Uh, maybe it's um, <laughs> it's uh, the remaining ones that I left because I have tigers, a lot of bunch of tigers in front of me. So, but the good thing was that um, as they were growing up, my brothers were moving in, moving out, going to school, and doing all different things. So, as we were growing, we were there was never a time we were that much in the house at the same time. It was always like three or four. By the time the other ones are growing up, the other ones are already moving out. So it was. Um, but still, it was it was it was a big um, big war zone in my my household. So, <laughs> but it was good. It was a, a good experience going through that background and understanding how to survive when you are at your lowest. My mom was like she she is like one in a million. You know, losing your husband at that time. And she was very young. She got married at a very tender age. You know, back then, they, or they, in Africa, they usually marry very early, 16, 17, they're already married. 
So being left with seven kids at um, very tender age, you have to you have to fight, you have to bite, you have to scratch whatever you can get to, you know, to keep raising your kids. But I still question why have seven. <laughs> and did you get an answer? <laughs> I dare not ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> I dare not ask that. By the time I got to the age that I could ask that question, my mom passed away. My mom passed away about 14, 15 years ago. So if my mom was still alive, I promise you, I wouldn't spend six months in Vietnam. She would never allow me to do that. Because um, while I was um, while I was in school, I got some jobs like contracts to perform for USAID and some um, 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 UNESCO uh, stage concerts and performing arts. So I've been in positions where my performance have merited. Like uh, one time, I got like a letter from the Netherlands to travel there to perform and to. So first thing my mom asked you, asked me was, how long are you going to be there? I said, I don't know, maybe six months, maybe one year. You're not going. <laughs> Perform here. <laughs> I don't want any of my kids going there stranded, being compared to other Africans who are roaming the streets of Europe um, with no job. And then before you know it, you're forced to commit a crime. No, you stay here. I watch you. You stay here. <laughs> if we are hungry, we're hungry. If we are dying, we die here. You're not going anywhere. So she wouldn't, uh, she wouldn't like um, compromise her principles for anything, for any amount of money. That was how she was. So if you are coming to offer us money because we are hungry and you are insulting us because of the, uh, 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 because of the money you are giving to us, keep your damn money. She don't need it, and she wouldn't allow us to take the money. So she just wanted to start. And one of that's one of the biggest things I got from her. I don't care how much money you offer me. If it's not right for my conscience, I'm not doing it. That's why I told, I've been on interviews here in Vietnamese television. I told uh, one channel like that. I said, I know a lot of Africans commit crime here. Drug pushers, scammers. All sorts of crime. It's not just in Vietnam, everywhere in the world. Yeah, we are very infamously known for that. But that's not me. So that's why I go back again to what I said before. Don't use the same broomstick to measure all of us. We are not the same. We are not. We are individuals. In Nigeria alone, you have over 200 million people. All of them are having 200 million characters. So... I wouldn't want to generalize one behavior of a very few minority to the whole of the population. For myself, my biggest, biggest credit is myself. And I would never, ever involve myself in something that would tarnish the image of my father, the image of my family, just because I want to get rich. I'd rather walk my way up. If you don't give me the job, thanks. But I'd rather go on the streets picking up robbers and selling um, um, vessel than to, <laughs> than to do what will never, ever um, bring glory to my name or to keep my discipline and respect to my family. Well, as your channel has become bigger, have you had to turn down any work or any sponsors because of that? Yes. Um, conscious? Yes. 
um, a few of them. You don't need to name names. No, I, I'm, I'm not naming them, but I'm just going to describe. I've had some companies that um, they came to me for advertisement or to work with them. But once I checked the, 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 the integrity of the company and what they stand, what they stand for, I declined. Even though I spent thousands and tens of thousands of dollars buying equipment for my YouTube channel, I've not even made 10% of the money I invested on my channel over two years I've been doing YouTube videos. But still, I respect myself um, well enough to know that if I get involved in this kind of promotion and people get to find out that it's not true, it's not just the company have benefited from my promotion but my image is dented for life. The fans can never trust me again. And people wouldn't want to like listen to what I have to say. But because they would say, you've already associated with this, with this scam of a company. So why would we trust you now? So those are the things I, I put into, into thoughts before accepting any promotion or any advert. I need money. Seriously, I need money. But I'd rather... I'd rather not go through that route to make that kind of money. I've rejected even very good money just because the uh, identity doesn't align with what I stand for. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> now, your channel is now, I saw the latest, it's 66,000 subscribers. That's incredible. So what? Um, when you started out, you said it was for fun. Mm. What was your goals or your aims and, and how did you grow it to such a level? Yeah, um, first of all, when I started, like I told you, I wasn't doing YouTube videos. I registered that channel as a personal channel in 2018. I just covered some Vietnamese songs. I just posted there for my friends to see and, you know, enjoy. So... But after a couple of my friends started, um, like, man, you are an actor in Nigeria. I, what are you doing? YouTube is getting big. Just get into YouTube. So I created the first series that I did, Welcome to Vietnam, from first episode. I introduced myself, how I came to Vietnam. It was a script I wrote about how I came to Vietnam, what uh, the, the, the crazy things that I've seen in Vietnam and all the... <laughs> difficulties I had when initially the first time I came here so you know African boy uh, I traveled but Vietnam was a whole new experience for me so all the difficulties and how my name got changed from Nades to now Nam I all put that in the video in the first episode it was through my the the owner of my house the landlady was your name is too difficult to pronounce. How you how come that look now? How you how how she got the name toy? Nam the cry nam 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 nam. Come can you hear that? She doesn't want to hear anything else. She just want to call me nam. I was very upset. Why are you changing my name? Then my friend that I live in his house was the one that said, "Oh, you don't know my landlady. She already told you a nam is a good name." I said, "I don't even know what that means, and you're asking me to bear a name that I don't know what it means." Then I started doing some, oh, Nam is like number five. Oh, and the, the main one is like his man is masculine. Oh, okay. I can handle that. I can deal with that. So that was how my name got changed. And before you know, everybody was calling me Nam and Nam and Nam everywhere. So I got stuck with that name. <laughs> well, 
It actually is a joke that I used to do on stage and I would get my friend to come up and help me lay. And um, it actually has, Nam has seven meanings dependent on the tones or the inflection Uh, that you use. So we're going to try this. This is a joke I used to do on stage Mm -hmm. and I would either get my friend to come up or even just sometimes I would have a a random Vietnamese person come up. So I'm going to tell you the sentence in English and then you're going to translate it into Vietnamese. I haven't done this on stage for quite a a while. So I lay with a man called Nam holding five mushrooms for five years. I'll say it again. I lay with a man called Nam, holding five mushrooms for five years. À, tôi ngủ với một người đàn ông tên là Nam, đang cầm năm cái nám, năm cái nám. I mean, I don't speak Vietnamese, but I think there's more than that. So you got lay, like mm. lie down, lay, mm. is Nam, right? Nam, yeah, 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 Nam. I lay in nam, bed nam. with a man. The, the, the accent is 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 Yahoo uh, So you got I lay in bed with a man. Oh, I change it to no, like sleep. Oh, it should be nam. I lay nam. Yeah. So I lay in bed with a man, which is nam, mm-hmm. called nam, yeah. which is a name, mm-hmm. holding, which is nam, five. No, cam. And the way my the holding head, is cam. I think there's another pronunciation from Nam. Yeah, holding. five, Nam. Years, Nam. Mm. Mushrooms. Oh, Nam, Nam. I, I, I missed the year. The year part. Yeah. Holding mushroom, five mushrooms. You got like five Nams in that. So let's do it again. I lay in bed with a man called Nam holding five mushrooms for five years. Tôi Nam. một người đàn ông tên là Nam. Đang cầm. Nam, đang, đang, oh, đang cầm nam cái nam. Holding five mushrooms and what? Holding five mushrooms for five years. Oh no, đang cầm cái nam trong nam nam. Hey, one more That's time, one more time, full <laughs> sentence. My tongue is already. <laughs> it's this, not full. I'm this is why I don't speak Vietnamese. So I was sitting with my colleague in the office. She's Vietnamese. Her English is perfect. My English, my Vietnamese is non-existent. Vietnamese, find is difficult too. <laughs> and we sat on the whiteboard and we wrote down all the different meanings yes. of nam. If you change the inflections, oh and I think gosh. it's seven. So we'll do it one more time. I lay in bed with a man called Nam holding five mushrooms for five years. Tôi đang nằm trên giường với một người đàn ông gọi Nam. Anh cầm Nam cái Nam trong năm năm. This is why I can't speak Vietnamese. Three letter words N-A-M and it can have seven different meanings based on the inflection. And you can make about that. And you can make a sentence. The sentence is obviously nonsensical. Nonsensical, but it's still uh, that's exactly how to put it into phrases. The 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 five the seven different meanings of N-A-M. That's weird. (laughs) So I'm very impressed that you can speak Vietnamese because that's why I can't speak Vietnamese. Um, so your channel <laughs> to go back is in Vietnamese mostly, but you have the subtitles in English as well. Yeah. So that must be so well received. So, but, but again, as well, people must be confused as well with a, a Nigerian mm-hmm. African speaking Vietnamese. Yep. A lot of people get confused uh, because when you go to my channel, if you are using an English browser, I have I have my channel subtitled. 
even the name. So if you're using like normal, but the original name is Afroviet TV, then if you are using a Vietnamese browser, it comes out as Namden Official. So sometimes some of my fans were like, which one is yours? Which one? Are you having two, two channels? I was like, no, it's subtitled. So there's something we do on YouTube that you subtitle it, you subtitle the title of your channel. So I, I subtitled that as Namden Official. Mm-hmm. So the, the good thing about it is that it's easier because many people know me as Nam, then the black Nam, the Namden. So Afrovia TV that I created, it's, um, it's a brand that I'm not just using for my YouTube channel because I have goals, I have bigger things that I want to do with that. And I, I always have a roots here. I always have my connection in Vietnam. So I want it to be a combination of Africa and Vietnamese. So when I say Afro-Viet, you can relate that to two places. I, I have my African roots and I'm in, I'm in my second home, which is Vietnamese, which is Vietnam. So that's, that's what gave birth to Afro-Viet the TV, then I intend to make it a company where I produce like media productions, where I produce clips and music and so many other things. So that's why I've not, I've even recently I posted on my YouTube channel asking my fans because so many of them have been questioning what's going on. You have two channels. I said, no. So I asked them, do they want me to change the name to just use one name, Afrovia TV? Or do they want me to use Namden Official? Or do they want me to use Mr. Nam official? Or they don't want me to change anything? The response so far this morning when I checked, it was about 49% said Afrovia TV. Because it shows that you're a foreigner living in Vietnam. Nam then official, they said it's easier to find on YouTube. But Afrovia TV is a bigger company. But Nam then is more of a personal channel. And I don't want that to be a personal channel. I want it to be a channel that will outlive me. It's a channel that I will create for other people to also be a part of it, that I can even invite other YouTubers to make a channel under the same brand. So that's why Afrovia TV is, is, is the official name that I'm using at the moment. Um, so will you change it and take away the Namden official? Uh, it depends uh, because now the Namden and Afrovets are almost people. I have like 37% say Namden official. I have. So now you see, and then I have about 13% say don't change anything. So you see the two names I have. Are running closely to each other, so now I'm confused. I don't even know. So I would, I'd rather I live it that way. So yeah, yeah, I live it the same way. You would hope that the answers would have been like you know a, a yes, landslide in one direction. Now you're like, I still don't know. I still don't know. <laughs> so it still shows that people like the London, they like Afrovia TV, and then if you add the don't change anything to the Afrovia TV, that means it's winning. So you just leave it the yeah, same yeah, way. Yeah. I don't know, but I'm just waiting to like, it's been three days. I want to give it, leave it up for like one week. Mm. And then after that, I will make the, because once I'm hitting 100,000 subscribers, I can't change, I won't change it anymore. So I want to ch- make any changes that I will make to the channel now before I mm. hit the 100,000. Well, that's this year I changed the name of the podcast from a Saigon podcast to a Vietnam podcast. Oh! To reflect the... I used to see Saigon podcast. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm losing people. So it's still 7 million bikes. It mm. used to be 7 million bikes, a Saigon podcast. Mm. 
but I started interviewing an expat who's based in Cyprus, like a Vietnamese expat. And then this series, we interviewed someone in Da Nang and then another expat who's in New York City, a uh, VQ. So, I, and then the listeners are actually like wow, all over the country. Out. So I was like, yeah, I think a Vietnam podcast reflects the podcast better than, mm-hmm. a, than a Saigon podcast. So, um, but I, similar thing as well. I thought about it. I spoke to a couple of people and I, I did a poll as well, which only had about five people respond because I don't have as many followers <laughs> as you. But um, I wanted to ask, you know, what is, and that my friend was like, just change it now before, you know, it before it blows up. Yeah, which I hopefully will one day. Yeah, no, it will. It will. What you're doing is amazing. I have to tell you now. The 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 thing was that I didn't really. I've not really done any podcast interview before. I've actually done so many TVs, so many newspapers, but not podcast. This is like the first time I've oh, cool. a podcast interview. And when you sent me the link to your to your podcast and to your channel, I was I was very impressed. I have to tell you. What you're doing is amazing, and uh, I hope more listeners and more people will tune in and, you know, you get to share, you get to see. Like, most of the things that I've spoken to you today about, I've not really shared it on my platform. I've not really... um, discuss that that much so I, I i did like an interview with uh can't remember which tv channel they came to my office we did for three days they were like doing a documentary on me and they went around with me where i eat where i i, I bath where i do everything uh, at the end of the day um it was all done in vietnamese it was all done in Vietnamese. When they, they showed it on their TV and then they published it on their YouTube, I had to ask for permission for the, from them to download it and to subtitle it in English so people understand what I'm saying. But even still at that, not a lot was um, discussed, actually. So this is like um, a very relaxing atmosphere to have a conversation without the pressure of the, the cameras and the press. Well, thank you very much. No, and and, and there's something I tried to do, and um, so I really appreciate that. And the tagline of the podcast is "We all have a story," and that's what I, that was what inspired me to start it. And I've talked about it before. It's everyone you meet has a story, right? Like, and the thing we talked about in the last episode was I think a lot of people who are English teachers here get pigeonholed as English teachers where they all have like a really interesting background no matter what it is and then not just English teachers anyone you speak to a local as well everyone has a story and I think that deserves to be shared you know so that that's part of it we'll finish now and move on to the final questions that I ask everyone at the end of each podcast and now the name of the show is seven million bikes there's seven million bikes in Saigon which is now mind-blowing over 45 million in Vietnam but who knows the actual number of bikes on the road but it's still an incredible statistic there's about nine million people in Saigon and seven million registered motorbike what's your favorite unwritten rule of the road oh wow that's a tough one like I told you it's a tough one but you want to turn towards your right and if you look in front of you bikes that are going front are still on your lane that should be your lane to turn to the right and you were wondering I'll be blowing my horn like get out this is not your place move in like Sometimes I'll be screaming in Vietnamese, <laughs> move this bike in. Don't stay here. It's not your lane. It's for the people turning right. And then you see them standing in front of them. I was like, 
they will look back towards you like, what is wrong with this guy? I mean, I like to think I'm a pretty mellow, chilled out guy. Not much gets me angry. <laughs> but I think there's a special place in hell reserved for people who sit in the right-hand turning lane when you want to turn right. It's like, what are you doing? Just move, just move like half a meter to the left. Wait for the light. Why are you blocking? I know, see, I'm getting angry already. It pisses me off. <laughs> and the, the second thing I really, really... Oh, man, I really don't know what to do to those people. Are the people that they, they're driving at high speed. They don't even look who's coming behind them. In the middle of the road, they just... Oh, oh. Yeah, that's disgusting. I haven't seen that in a long time. Actually, now you've reminded me. Yeah, I've never, I've, I've nearly caught it on the leg, but I, I haven't actually caught it. Caught it on my face once. On your face? Oh, it was disgusting. It was one of the. Oh. That was one of the most disgusting things I've ever had to deal with on the road. Yeah, I mean, like, I wish that there's a rule or something. There's a law that if you speed, can you just park your bike by this roadside? You can speed and then you move on. Why at a high speed? Why do you even have to do that? You don't even consider the people that are coming behind you. You don't even. Oh no, that's so inconsiderate. Yeah, that, that, I'd forgotten about that one. That's a bad one. As you can get a sense from us talking, the the, the traffic in Vietnam can bring up a lot of frustration. There are so many experiences. I just, I'm just speaking out a few, but there are so many that so disgusting. We could do a whole episode on that. do a whole episode. So we'll move on, we'll move on. So the next question, for someone who is fluent in Vietnamese, what is your most useful Vietnamese phrase? Ah... Uh, if you watch my channel and you will, this answer is straightforward. Everybody that watches my channel, you know I love Ozoi Oi So I understood the Zoi Oi part of it, but that's a northern pronunciation. Yeah, right? that's the northern pronunciation of it in Saigon. We say Ochoi Oi. Yeah, that- in Saigon, we say Ochoi Oi. So the thing was that I picked her up. I actually picked that up when I came. When I started learning Vietnamese, I didn't know anything else. But I always hear the woman, the ladies, especially the ladies, everything is just, oh, joy. Everything is just, oh, joy. Then I went to the north. Then one time I went to eat boom cha. That was when I started making videos. I went to eat boom cha at the restaurant that... Um, Obama ate when he when he came to Vietnam. So I was like, I went in there, I was like telling them, this is, this is, um, I am Obama's younger brother. <laughs> <laughs> and did they believe you? Nigga, you was a big confusion. The video is on my channel, you can watch it. So the, some of the workers were like, we were not here when Obama came here, but the pictures were all about the place. But the guy is whiter than you. How come? I was like, yeah, he he looks like our mom. I look like our dad. And they said, you speak Vietnamese. Obama don't speak Vietnamese. I said, oh, you guys don't know him. The guy pretends a lot. He pretends a lot. He's my brother. I know him. <laughs> he doesn't want to speak any Vietnamese, so you guys don't bother him a lot. Just don't worry. He speaks more Vietnamese than I do. I'm like, oh. <laughs> So are there still people walking about right now thinking Obama speaks Vietnamese? <laughs> so after that, I, 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 I coined the term. No, after 
where I picked up the term Bumcha was when I went and um, there are this group of fans from Indonesia. They said they are, they love my channel. They don't understand what I say, but they read the subtitles because all of my videos, they have English and Vietnamese subtitles. Even when I do the videos in English or in Vietnamese, I always put the subtitles so everybody can relate to it. So they've been massive fans of my channel. It's a group, it's a big family from the grandfather to the father to the son. They had like about 15 people on the tour. So they... They said that was the first time they were taking a trip to, to Vietnam. And they told me like weeks ahead that they were coming. They were coming for me. They want to see me. They, 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 Vietnam is their next vacation destination. I said, oh, that's great. This is a beautiful place. You guys should come. I love to have you guys. That was when I made a promise that I didn't know I was going to be taken literally. I said, oh, I'm promising you. Come on. Come on. Come to Vietnam. That was before the COVID stuff. So they came, and the time they were coming, I've totally forgotten that they were coming. So I flew to Hanoi because I had some video appointments with other YouTubers and some TV channels. So I flew to Hanoi. Then they called me that they are in Saigon. I said, oh my world, I'm in Hanoi. They say, where is Hanoi? I say, oh, Hanoi is another city in Vietnam. I say, oh, then we are flying to Hanoi. The whole family, they flew to Hanoi. They were more than 15. The granddad was the biggest, with the biggest supporter. He was the biggest fan. He said he's the one that introduced my channel to all the family members. They are, they are Indonesians. I don't know. He doesn't, I don't understand it. So when they came to Hanoi, I went from my hotel to see them. So I, we, they hired a tour guide, but I, became the tour guide. So the tour guide, the first day the tour guide came to pick us up, she had her kid, a little boy. So the little boy was going with us, he was wild. Everywhere we were going and I was making a video of it. Even some of the video, the video, the video of that trip I've not even posted, it's been over a year. So I made the video about the trip. So as I was making the video, the kid would be bothering the mom, we were like, Mommy, 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 The boy will be like, what's the So they keep, this thing, it keeps happening every minute that we went for like hours. And every time I'm hearing, oh, mommy, and the mom will respond, what's the right? Mommy, like he's telling her you eat something else. Why you have to eat buncha? Come, my my come, come take buncha, my come take and buncha. That was how it stuck in my head. So every time, so when we got to the place of buncha, I just got the buncha. Everybody busted and laughed. <laughs> So that was how I coined the term. <laughs> that phrase gets everybody at every time. Well, I used Choyo is one of the first ones that I learned, and I got to a point a couple of years ago where I just overused it. But it's because of um, my friend Kim, whose closet we're in. Um, <laughs> I would always say Choyo man, 
because that's what she says. And it just stuck. So just all the time, I'd be like, Choi Oi, man. That's that's my that's my favorite one. It never goes out of my mind. Even till this day, even most of my videos you watch, you still see when I uzo. <laughs> <laughs> and for anyone who doesn't know, what does choy oi mean? What are you choy, saying? Choy oi is like, oh my god, oh oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Take it wrong. Yeah. Uh, so the next question is, what's your favorite sunset spot in Vietnam? There's one in Beit Su. There's one I can't. I I don't even know the location here, but there's. There's one, I think, in um, Changnao or something. Changnao. There's a place where I usually, with my ex-girlfriend, where we usually hang out, especially towards the, in the morning. We just, when I was living around, so we just drive there in the morning. Oh, it's beautiful sunset. That's in the... Two, in the morning? In the morning. Yeah. A sunset I mean, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, towards the evening, because we're, I don't even see her in the morning, so it's towards the evening after work. <laughs> That's confused. <laughs> like he's watching sunset in the morning. It's sunset in the morning. So after work, when we're hanging out, yeah, yeah. because he hangs out in the morning. <laughs> and do you mean it's kind of under the the Saigon Bridge and yes. overlooks Landmark yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. I went there last week, this week for the first time. Yeah, it's mm. uh, I think this just behind Chen yeah, Hao. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're mm-hmm. talking about. And then. There's not really much there. There's just like one stall. And then they have the small chairs to sell the yeah, coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By, by the spot there. And then you can go on the other side of the Saigon Bridge and it's mm-hmm. also a beautiful spot as well. Mm-hmm. Actually, I just went there last night and I made a time-lapse video. So oh, if wow. you go on my Instagram channel or the YouTube channel, you'll see I got really nice sunset time-lapse there. So wow. where you're talking about, yes, just on the other side of that. That's that's the most beautiful place I've, I've, I've gone for sunsets. I mean, the view is, is beautiful. Mm. Oh, spoiled in Vietnam. I, I, I do. I love a sunset. I don't know who doesn't, though. Who doesn't? Yeah, I know. Um, next question. Uh, so you've obviously been in Vietnam for ten, over 10 over years. 10. You've seen massive changes. Would you rather live in Vietnam now or 20 years ago? Wow. That's that's an interesting question, actually, because um, let me put it this way: I love the all the developments and all the changes that have come to Saigon. But the beautiful thing about it is, I want, if I want to get that experience of having that so many years ago, Saigon or Vietnam, I can go to a different city. So I can have it both ways, but I love what is happening, especially in Saigon. The development has been crazy. If you've been here 10 years, if, if I took a picture of 10 years ago and show you some of the streets now, you won't even know. You won't even, you, there's no similarity. It's been changed so much. I, oh man, the, 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 the growth here is it's, it's um, crazy. Even in five, we've been here nearly five years. And just last week, we were talking with someone who'd only been here a couple of years and we were showing them pictures. So we've got pictures. We used to live in District 4 and our view looked all over Anfu, where we are now. And Anfu was just a marsh. There was no Landmark 81. The, the bridge is nearly finished. Have you seen the new bridge? Yeah, that wasn't even finished. started. That whole area was just a marshland with a couple of buildings. And now if you look at that same view, there's high rises, there's development, there's Landmark 81, there's a new bridge, there's highways. And it's like, that's in four years. It's insane. So that's why I asked, because 20 years ago doesn't seem that long ago. Like 20 years ago is 2001. But that's a totally different world in Saigon, right, I guess. But that's a good point you make about you could just travel out to, but I guess even Cantor and all of those places, Maybe they're not that different to 20 years ago. Imagine even 10 years from now, what is going to happen in this country? 
Yeah. It is it's exciting. It's exciting, mm-hmm. man. And you know the thing, I, I usually tell a story. Starting my YouTube channel, even yesterday, I got a friend, not a friend, one of the fans that sent me, I get messages, mails, emails, comments on my, my YouTube um, channel a lot, especially now from so many Vietnamese um, videos. So the thing is that they are so inspired by a black dude in their country speaking their language. And some of them, they confess that they can't even speak half of the Vietnamese that I speak. And I find that that quite fascinating that I inspire somebody to go back to their roots. If I can do that to 10, 15, 20 people, I think I've, 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 I've achieved some of the goals that I set out to achieve in, in, in Vietnam when I, when I started my channel. And I remember there's a particular woman in her 40s she sent me a message sometimes. She said, do you know, I've been, I'm a Vietnamese, but I was born and I grew up in America. I usually come to holidays in Bangkok, in Malaysia, but I've never set my foot in Vietnam. I said, what? She was so, so excited to see me doing what I'm doing in Vietnam. And she said, I, uh, now we, have, we made a bet before the COVID hit. I said, on your next vacation, give me two days, just two days in, in Vietnam. If I don't convince you to make this your holiday spot, I'm like the salesman now for Vietnam. <laughs> I say, if I don't convince you to make this place your holiday spot, don't come back. She says she would take me up on that. Awesome. So I hope COVID has disrupted a lot of things. She will come with her family the next vacation for the first time in 40-something years. Wow. She will be in Vietnam, just like the Indonesian family. I'll be, I will make her time to show them around and to take them around Vietnam anytime they're here. That's cool. Did she mention, when I talked to a previous guest on the show, Tam Le, and we talked about how... Vietnamese people who left about 40 years ago still have a real apprehension to come back because of the history of Vietnam and that that can be a thing where they don't realize that it's different now because for them it's always the way it is when they left had had that come into her consideration okay now the thing is this when I started my channel oh no when I came to Vietnam and when I decided to stay here to work here and to live here one of my cousins in the in the states called me said where are you? I said, I'm in Vietnam, of course. In Vietnam? What are you doing there? Are you a soldier? <laughs> because people, once you say you're in Vietnam, the picture that appears to people is war. The thing, Vietnam is so messed up. The Vietnam is in such a crisis that no human, no right-thinking human being should live there. So, that's, that's even one of the motivations for me to start my YouTube channel to showcase Vietnam, the whole of Vietnam, the beautiful places, the dirty places, the ugly places, the lowest places, the nicest places, so people can know that if I, a black dude from Africa, can excel in this country, to live freely, to enjoy this country, and with my other foreigners that are coming here, living here, I'm telling you over the last five years I've had so much people relocate to Vietnam than in the previous years. 
many foreigners, many Vietnamese that that previously were were reluctant to even visit. Now they are packing their things and moving to Vietnam. Take COVID situation, for instance. Where would you rather be in this whole world right now? The only place would be New Zealand. Oh, aside New Zealand. <laughs> but even, New Zealand or Vietnam? Even New Zealand had more cases than Vietnam. Mm. So you see, sometimes the, the things that we hear, that's why I always go back to the, the, the same thing I said earlier. Always give people a fair chance. Let them convince you or confuse you. Your duty is to give them a chance. It doesn't matter if it's an individual or if it's a country. Like so many people, they have this mindset that Africa is extremely poor, dirty. It's a, a hub of criminals. You don't even go there, you die. Go. Experience it for yourself. Go and see. So many places that you don't get to see in the news. So I use my experience and all the negative things that have been said about Africa, the same experience I'm bringing. And anytime I, I, I travel to Africa, since I started my YouTube channel, I've not, I've not traveled to Africa. I mean, it's been COVID time all this time. So if I travel again, anytime I travel to Africa, trust me, I will showcase Africa, showcase different countries, different places that people wear apprehensive to visit just like people are very scared about vietnam oh it's a communist country oh the security here is terrible oh you get killed what <laughs> yeah why don't you just spend a day if you if you are going to get killed if you are going to be that scared that you get killed you don't deserve to live True. even afghanistan have foreigners there Syria, foreigners live there. And Vietnam is the most beautiful place like yeah. you can live right now. For sure. Super safe as well. Anyway, we could Super go on all day. Super safe. Final question. What's missing from Vietnam? How? What's missing? Mm. Quite a few. To me, I think one of the major things I, I love and also hate about Vietnam and my country. Number one is we don't all, all obey the traffic laws that we like we say. We always, even me, sometimes I've been guilty of that. If the traffic laws should be a little bit stricter, that would be like Singapore, that would be nice. And something else is um, there are a couple of laws, there are a couple of things that they are bringing changes to now, like foreign investments, like a foreigner owning a house, like a foreigner. You know, I've been, I've been here for 10 years. If I was in any other country for 10 years, I should be qualified for citizenship, right? If I want it. So those are the kind of changes that you think about it. If you interview this individual, if you think they are merits, if you think they deserve to own a place, if you think they can buy things in their name and don't have to use their Vietnamese wife or Vietnamese partner, that, that would be kind of nice. It would bring a lot of uh, investment to Vietnam. I, I've talked about this before with my wife and with others. It boggles my mind that this country is not truly open to foreigners, right? Because you can't even get a savings account here. Mm. Uh, you can't buy a house. And for someone like yourself, like that blows my mind. You've been here for 10 years. So we lived in Vietnam. Uh, sorry, we lived in New Zealand before here. Mm. 
for five years, and we we are now permanent residents of New Zealand. So we're not citizens, but we we are permanent residents. Resident. So we can go back there at any time. And it blows my mind that we've been in Vietnam for the same amount of time, and we have zero uh, rights, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, which is fun. And some people will maybe be like, "Well, you don't. You're not from here. You don't deserve any rights." But every other country in the world, if you live there for long enough, you long are enough. afforded a certain amount yes. of rights. Over ten years. And uh, over ten years, I still yeah. have to go and extend my papers every now and then. I still have to do other things. Like I just came to Vietnam today. Yeah. So that if that is missing from Vietnam, but so, hopefully, again, hopefully with the development and and whatnot, we'll move on. A lot of changes have happened over the last five years mm. since 2015. A lot of laws have come into place that at least is easing off the restrictions on mm. foreigners a bit. So I'm hopeful and I'm very excited for the new things that are, will, will come into place because Vietnam is a beautiful place. Mm. You just need more management and uh, you know opening up for the foreigners to feel comfortable like us and be a part of the community mm. especially people like you and I that we we have interest and the best interest of the country at heart I think it will happen right just uh just going to take time right mm. well look thank you so so much this has been awesome it's so good to uh, get to know you and chat to you and um I'm really happy to hear that you've enjoyed it and um we're getting a bit deeper than maybe other interviews. And um, before we finish up, tell people that are listening, where can they find your channel? Where can they connect with you? What are you doing next as well? We didn't even talk about your music. So just quickly give your music a plug as well. Okay. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you for what you're doing and um, for inviting me. I I really had a blast coming here and um, you know, taking part in your podcast today. And uh, um, hopefully you can... You keep doing what you're doing. Don't don't listen to whatever criticism. Take it on board and, you know, make the best of it. But what you're doing is amazing and I applaud you for that. So about my channel, my channel is simply the name Afro, A-F-R-O-V-I-E-T, V-I-E-T, TV, Afro-V-I-E-T, TV. It's the same name I use on Instagram, on Facebook page and uh, on Twitter. And I have it on TikTok as well. Yeah, I do a lot of uh, TikTok. Even my TikTok is blowing up now. I have almost 30,000 um, followers on TikTok. And where can we find your music? I've not really released an original song. There's a song that I did recently uh, with um, with my son. He's uh, eight. And then um, with Blaze. So we covered like a very popular Vietnamese song that was sang about black people, the black minority. So, um, so I, 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 I spoke to the guy that owns the song, the original artist. So he said, oh, Nam, oh, no, I'm a fan. I like, I like your TV channel. I like your YouTube channel. Oh, you can, let me see what you're doing to my song. So we took the song and we made the beat. Blaze, shout out to you, man. Blaze remade the beat and then um, Blaze did the rap in English. So, we did, I did, I, I sang the chorus, my son did the Vietnamese rap, and then Blaze, we, we added English rap and mixed it up. It's, it's a beautiful song. I just, the video is almost done, and hopefully the video will be on my YouTube channel pretty soon. Cool. We'll look yeah. out for it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Man. So, thank you for listening as well. I really hope you enjoyed that. Make sure you check out 
all of Mr. Namden's channels. Um, they are really funny videos, really interesting as well. And um, hopefully maybe I can appear on one of those videos one day. So look out for that. Oh, you, you're in now. There's no going out. <laughs> you're in for real. Well, the last video I watched was when you and your friend walked through water that you couldn't see and there was maybe snakes and stuff. I don't yeah, want to do, do stuff like that. <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much for listening. Stick around for just 30 more seconds to hear a couple of shout outs at the end of the episode and uh, stay tuned for more. Cheers. Thank you, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast with Mr. Nam Den of Afroviet TV. I really hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Look out for future collaborations between me and Mr. Nam. I'm looking forward to that. And also look out on his channel. There will be a short video of this podcast, which is the first time we've ever done something like that. So make sure you check that out and follow him on YouTube and Facebook and all of those channels as well. A massive thank you to two of the members of 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast. Thank you so much to Brandon Thompson and Zion Johnson. Your support is appreciated more than you can imagine. So thank you so, so much. That is unbelievable. If you want to become a Patreon as well and get a shout out at the end of each episode, make sure you go to patreon.com forward slash 7 million bikes. The link is in the show notes. And if you want to buy me a coffee or a beer, there's also a link in the show notes for that as well. Make sure you check us out on Facebook, YouTube and Instagram and also like and subscribe from wherever you are listening to right now so you can never miss an episode. Thank you so much. Have a great day. hope you enjoyed this episode if you're like me you may use your laptop at places where you have to use public wi-fi this opens you up to digital snoopers it's a massive problem it can be your internet service provider or you know who looking at what you do online or a cyber criminal trying to steal your bank passwords or credit card info or even a hacker at the next table trying to steal your sensitive data these days it is vital that you keep your data safe NordVPN keeps all of these snoopers away. It makes your internet activity private, protects you from accessing dangerous websites that are fishing for your data, and lets you enjoy your favorite content securely, even while away from home. And it's easy to use, even I could use it. I've actually been using NordVPN for years now here in Vietnam, and I'm excited to be an affiliate partner with them. I've used NordVPN to watch Netflix, BBC, Disney Plus with ease. And I also know that my information and data are safe from prying eyes, whoever they may be. Join now and you'll get 68% off and three months free when you go to my link, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. Just again, for those hard of hearing, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. The link is also in the show notes. I know nobody checks them out, but go check that out and you can get the link from wherever you are listening to this podcast. 
As an affiliate partner, it also means that I will get a small commission when you sign up, but at no extra cost to you. So not only will you be getting a great deal through 7 Million Bikes, you get a great VPN and you'll be supporting 7 Million Bikes podcast. Stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love. Any questions, just let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. And thanks for listening to this show. Cheers.